Welcome everyone in to the premiere episode of the Home Pod Office. I'm Bobby. He's Brandon. And joining us this week is Zach McCann. Zach, welcome in. How are you guys uh, doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, su- been super excited to get get this going. I've uh, been pouring over the uh, the text and the 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 information <laughs> provided and uh, online, uh, watching the episodes multiple times. So I'm super excited for this. Uh, really ready to kick it off. Zach, how about you, man? Ah, just honored to be on the maiden voyage with you guys. You know, <laughs> glad to it's have nice you. To ha- it's nice to have that Game of Thrones magic back, you know. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been it, feeling it. Really it. Is. <laughs> I mean, let let's just jump right into it. It's been it's been a couple years now since any of us have had a you know George R. R. Martin Game of Thrones fix. Um, I mean, I guess when some t- people have had a fix through Elden Ring, but uh, I this is uh, for Brandon and I our first fix of of George R. R. Martin and in, in this world of Ice and Fire. Uh, in a couple of years, so it right off. It's right from Win- the start. That opening Winter scene was came. amazing. Winter came. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. It was it was a long winter. Yeah, I I, I um, mean, getting back into this world, I think that the the intro scene in the first the first episode of House of Dragon was a perfect way to do it. Uh, just having that, you know, the the council uh, all together and kind of just setting the scene for us. Uh, you know, having the old king there and at, at the council at Heron Hall, I think it was a perfect way to open up, open us back up into this this world, getting us our, yeah. our fix again. What did you guys make of the ending of Game of Thrones? I know this is about House of the Dragon, but I feel like yeah, kind of coming into it. It's one hundred percent. Yeah, um, I, I'll go, start off. I oh, no, Brandon, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Go for it. Okay, so obviously there was a lot of volatile thoughts about the ending of Game of Thrones. There's a lot of people who swore off House of the Dragon because of the ending. I have said since day one or the last day of Game of Thrones that the fact of the matter is ending a TV show, any TV show, is incredibly difficult. It is hard to put a bow on something, especially as big as Game of Thrones, and make everyone happy. Now, with that said, it wasn't good, but I don't think it was as terrible as everyone says. I had fun. I had fun watching it. And at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for, to have fun. Um, were there things that could have done better? Yes. Should John have pet his dog? Yes. But I mean, <laughs> all these things, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, what are we going to do? Listen, there are there are outside forces. I mean, the writers, they they were on a timeline. They had to get to Star Wars. The actors, the actors don't want to be there for, I mean, the, these actors are growing up. They have other projects to do. If they cut that into two seasons, like a lot of people thought, I mean, there's a good chance that we're going to recast some of these main people in the last season. Like, so it's one of those things where we get, we got, what we got. And I think we should be happy that we even got a final season that it didn't just end. Like a lot of shows do. Yeah. I I don't know. I disagree a a lot and see. Okay. So a lot of people don't like even the story that's told and how it ends and what happens. And I don't have any problem with that. Really? Any of, you know, how things have, it was more of the, uh, why, why we got six episodes of something that, I think HBO wanted 14 episodes. I think George R. R. Martin said 12 episodes. So I see what you're saying about, you know, people wanting to get to other projects and stuff. But I think we saw from a lot of the actors afterward that they also weren't really happy with the with the wrapping up of this of this project. 
Uh, yeah. So I, 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 I was not pleased with it. I, you know, I wasn't one of those yeah. people that swore off House of the Dragon or anything like that. But I've had a really bad taste in my mouth over Game of yeah. Thrones over that. So that's, I mean, you know, kind yeah, of I where mean, I landed. And, and don't hear what I'm not with. saying. It should have gone longer. It should have been better relative sure, to sure. how great the show was. We just, we deserved a better ending, but you know, it wasn't a, I mean, this, I mean, people who are mad that, you know, and became the king, like, sure. It was a little weird, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. I think at that point it's like, all right. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it wasn't predictable and I like that. Um, Zach, what, what were your thoughts on it? You know, I mean, I think looking at the later seasons of the show as glorified fan fiction, which it is because it you're is. not you don't have the books yeah. that Martin has written at that point. But honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons, which are the last two books. They're very in my slow. Mind, the series They're very, kinda, very slow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the mixed up nature of them and the fact that you kind of have the character splits, it's almost like a wrestling brand split split almost, yeah. you know, between SmackDown and Raw. But right. at the same time, you look at this and I think the series kind of peaked with uh, Storm of Swords. And I think you mm-hmm. saw that in the show a little bit, too, once you kind of got past sure. Storm of Swords arc. So it did affect my excitement for House of the Dragon. And I didn't watch it until a few days after the premiere. Same. It wasn't like in anticipation. It was just, okay, I'll take a look at this and was just so pleasantly surprised and kind of had that feeling of, ah, they got me again. Every just every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. After watching that premiere, uh, after watching that premiere, I felt like I did in like season three and four of Game of Thrones where I needed more. I just wanted to go on forever. Where the best parts were not all of the dope battle scenes and the awesome conflicts that you get to see. It's that political intrigue that really, really ends up drawing you into the show and you didn't, you didn't expect it. I'm, I'm on the opposite side of a lot of folks right now that, that are not enjoying these first few episodes because they are setting the scene and setting the political landscape. I am, I am in the exact opposite standpoint of, of them. I love the setup. I love this, you know, these houses, we need to do this because we're, I mean, we're, we're actually getting to see a weird thing in the Westeros world where we're in a, in the longest and, undisputed time of peace in this in this world yeah. and so they're living a different world than we're living uh, or that we've seen in game of thrones where even after we came in a little bit after robert's rebellion but the realm wasn't really super stable at that point there were still questions being had about robert and and the baratheon rule and he wasn't really a ruler he was just a great warrior that happened to be the strongest guy that got to sit on the throne yeah. and had the best claim um, so I'm really loving the, the, the world, um, and, and the setup because I, as a, as a book reader and as a guy that's, you know, gone in and read the, the world of ice and fire history book, and you kind of see some of this, but it's actually coming to life with George R. R. Martin's vision of the little things that you're not going to get in those books that he, you know, he likes to, to include later on. So yeah, I'm, but I'm loving it. Yeah. Let, let's jump in. Now to episode one, the heirs uh, to the dragon uh, right off the bat, it shows us, you know, you know, 172 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen. Um, and like you said earlier, I think this is a great way to start the show off, you know, kind of bridging between people who may have watched it, may have not watched it. Um, the, you know, the scene at Harrenhal, um, 
you know, of them choosing between uh, Rainey's and uh, and uh, Viserys. Um, and one thing, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be talking we're gonna be talking about this a lot because they are so intertwined. Is on that scroll that he that uh, uh, Harris receives is the stamp of the Maesters. Um, so, and obviously, if we fast forward a little bit into the episode, his uh, you know Viserys' uh, hand Otto from Old Town. Uh, more than likely, you know, I I have a feeling that the the Maesters of this time who are pretty and we know are not big fans of the targaryens because of the inbreeding and stuff um they could be kind of an illuminati and pushing things you know maybe maybe the lords did want rainies and you know the maester said no um <clears throat> so we get the queen that never was from that and then almost immediately we jump into an absolutely fantastic opening shot of uh cyrax and, uh and Rhaenerys, uh in the sky what were your guys thoughts on the cgi um the you know starting off just with the 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 dragons i mean they look awesome zach go yeah go ahead man oh absolutely i think you look at the way that you can tell this show has a much higher budget than game of thrones did um Mm -hmm. and in fact in interviews with george r R. martin he talks about you know certain things that he wished were changed in the first season that drove him crazy just due to budgetary concerns you can see that those have been completely wiped away i think the cg looks great for the dragons i think king's landing itself it was almost like seeing an old friend again so it was cool to kind of see it at its peak at its apex because say what you will about the targaryen's long line it is a series of the most you know peaceful consistent rule that westeros had ever seen was the targaryen line so i think that they really did a good job of just setting that initial tone yeah yeah i I can't can't really disagree with anything either of you guys have said i mean really does a good job of you know kind of bringing everything into the fold for you hey we're gonna have dragons and we're gonna show you these dragons and they're gonna be a big part of this so right after you know they've kind of set the stage for where we're gonna where we're gonna be at through the episode and you get that uh that Rhaenyra Targaryen flying through the air on Cyrax and flying over King's Landing and then getting a little bit more even from that when when she lands and and you kind of learn and not that we didn't already know this but uh Harold Westerling uh the the King's Guard saying you know every time you land you know that saved my head from a spike uh, because it was a, it was a time where look, I mean, if you know she got hurt and went went missing or something, out with old Kingsguard, in with the new, uh, you know, would yeah. would be kind of the kind of the rule of the time. But just seeing those that they had dragon masters, and the, and then there were older dragon masters, and they were teaching younger dragon masters how to how to you know yeah. tame them and bring them in. It's it's very intriguing to to see. I don't know if we're going to get to see a lot of that aspect of, of it, kind of the behind the scenes with the dragons. But I think it was cool for us to get it pretty early on to show that they do have a lot of dragons. They do have you know this is why they're able to rule. So I'm I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm loving the com- computer generation and everything that they're they're showing us so far. The it's budget is jump clear. Off. 
to jump off your back there, Brandon, um, I think it's interesting that it's almost like the showrunners have really designed a lot of things to almost turn everyone watching into that Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when you hear things like, oh, Westerling, (laughs) oh, look at that there, oh, these great houses, or, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting just how you kind of get those wheels turning of, oh, I know that house, or, you know, talk of Starks, or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, the Westerlings, you know, if you're a big Stark Ruther out there, you probably, (laughs) and it's not as prominent Uh, in the show, but for us book readers, we know that that was a, that was a plant. Okay. (laughs) My boy Rob Um, got done dirty. (laughs) And then we, we, then we see, you know, right from the very beginning, the first real scene of this, we see what is the downfall of the Targaryens between the end. We see the infighting, we see the dragon pit, which which you know the, their source of the targaryen the targaryen power was their dragons and they started losing you know the dragons started getting smaller they started domesticating these dragons and that was the downfall of them um and i think we're going to start seeing that you know i i think back to uh when uh uh it was i believe Tyrion talking to uh daenerys or, or someone and you know they had uh she uh, and Daenerys had a, like a, a skull of a dragon that could fit in her yeah. hand and that was the little like, guys. This, is the fall, this was the fall you know uh at some point you know we were masters and i think even uh uh oh, wow uh his name is uh exceeded my mind uh other uh other lannister uh jamie <laughs> jamie Tywin? yeah sorry J- mm-hmm. yeah no yeah ja- uh jamie lannister talks about how <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> jamie talks about how yeah it's easy to make fun of these little dragons but think about it at one point the dragon pit uh could fit you know Balon. I mean, like these were, uh, you know, they went from great dragons to, you know, that's how they lost their power. Um, and so we move on uh, from that. And one of my favorite scenes in the show is um, Damon when we when we first see Damon uh, sitting on the Iron Throne. Um, just the way he's clashed over, like he, he kind of uh the way he's sitting avoiding getting cut in the same way that his brother did in the back you know on his left side so he's avoiding sitting on his left side like he so he's obviously sat in this throne many times he was able to sneak into uh the place with you know knowing all of the secret passageways you know the uh uh the king's guard talks about that um what are you guys thoughts on damon Love Damon. I think that you made, brought up a really crucial point that, you know, where they were in the world of Westeros. I know we've talked about the the peace. And at this point in time, they don't have a master of whispers. They don't have that spy lord that kind of runs the roost. Uh, I don't think they get that until a little bit later uh, coming up soon. Uh, but him able to, I mean, the prince of, you know, that everybody loves in, in the yeah. whole country is able to sneak prince into the King's Landing and get into the throne room without anybody knowing. And then him letting somebody else know was was very intriguing to me. Um, yeah. As far as you mentioned, the wounds in the same spot in the back. I don't know that that's known to anybody but Otto Hightower. And like you said, the maester. Uh, what they were talking about that wound in his back. Well, what I'm saying is obviously he's <laughs> avoiding that side because he knows that if he sits there, it's going to cut him. So that's why he's uh, Damon is avoiding sitting in that. I, the way that at least I feel that he's sitting like that because yeah, he sat well, in his chair a lot. It's a, and he throne full of, it's a throne full of swords. You know, that's more of the yeah. I think the thing. And like they've talked about it. I mean, as being if you get cut by the throne, it's almost telling you you're not worthy. 
And so that is why yeah. Otto Hightower is wanting to keep that so low key. And, you know, yeah. and it kind of goes to your point that you said earlier that they may be in league with the Maesters because um, obviously they're from the same area, high t- uh, Old Town. Uh, and him telling her, you know, nobody can know about this, uh, about the, the king, you know, being cut like this. So, uh, but, da- but you go back to Damon. I mean, I, I love I've really enjoyed Damon and Matt Smith does such a good job with him. Ooh. But I, I'll tell you, honestly, what I can't get, get over from this scene. Obviously, the dialogue is fantastic between uh, Rhaenyra and Damon. But d- just listening to the flow of, of how Valyrian is supposed to flow. It's yeah. just so intriguing to me. And it makes sense for Danny to have more of a choppy type of type of Valyrian because she never just spoke it regularly with folks. Yeah. Um, she, and so she just heard her mother. It just, it, flow, yeah. it just flows so well, like off, you know, kind of rolls off the tongue. And so that was that was so such a cool spot to me. But you also get to see, you know, you get to hear about Dark Sister. OK, so we know where Dark Sister yeah. is now. And, you know, we know that that it's that it's going to play a part. Um, and you know him him you get to really see that relationship with Rhaenyra yeah. uh, that you know some people may not know about uh, that, that that you're going to get to learn a little bit about so Zach what what about you man what, what what's your thoughts on uh, Damon Targaryen I enjoy Damon I think that there's it's difficult not to watch this show and try and cast people in your head as oh this person's going to be the Ned Stark of the show this person's going to be the cool thing yeah. of the show and it's almost as if Damon is the cool Tyrion the Tyrion mm-hmm. that everyone wanted the Tyrion the Tyrion wanted to be almost right. you know yeah. he's right you know the big strong knight going after this um and to Matt Smith's credit, you know, you can tell that he has kind of that poise about him that you get from a classically Shakespearean trained actor like you have in Matt Smith. So I think that he's playing things very, very interesting. I mean, obviously, later in the episode, you get the sad boy at the orgy that you have with him. <laughs> something. But um just the organizer. We got to see we got to see Matt Smith fuck. Like we got to see yeah, Doctor Who bang, 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 bang. <laughs> First, we finally get to see Doctor Who bang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, good on him. But no, I, I am enjoying uh, him as Damon Targaryen, and no future spoilers, obviously. But the arc that he's going on right now, you can tell kind of the, he's sowing the seeds of what you're yeah. going to see from Damon Targaryen in the future. Yeah. Um, the so the the tournament. Um, first off the, I don't know if this tournament grounds is on the same spot as what we saw in the beginning of game of Thrones, where the, uh, where that tournament happened. Um, but it's very clear. You can tell the differences between the two tournament uh, areas that one, the Targaryens are super rich and it really does show just how much in debt the, uh, <laughs> the Baratheons and the Red Keep was because those two arenas were very different. This arena setup was amazing. Um, I think I thought the entire tournament scene was awesome. I think Matt, I, um, Matt, I think Zach mentioned some that I think that's one of the things that George R. R. Martin is, yeah, was a little, you know, he couldn't really get the budget. It was super early on. Uh, something that that actually just happened in in episode four that we'll talk about obviously later. That was a. I don't know if that one's the main thing that you were talking about, Zach, but I know that the uh, the king's hunting scene was yeah, something. In episode three, the, yeah. and um, uh, 
uh, that was something that he really, you know, that yeah. was not, but it was also something that you can even canon, uh, make it canon, you know, in your head that like you're yeah. saying, the Baratheons were in super debt. Robert wasn't, uh, wasn't a true King. You know, he, he would yeah. do that, uh, do that kind of stuff. And we just got own. done with a war. So, I mean, we, it would make sense that, you know, everything <clears throat> was destroyed and they were building it back up. Yeah. The tourney scene in the, you know, uh, and a scene that we didn't talk about earlier that I feel is, is important to kind of bring back before the tourney scene yeah. is, is Rhaenyra, uh, is Rhaenyra going, uh, to see her mother before going to the, yes. the small yeah, yeah. council after, after the dragon and her mother, mother, Emma, Aaron, is it, is it Emma, 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 Aaron is telling her, you know, like, Hey, we have Royal wombs. Like this is our battlefield, the, the, you know, yeah. giving birth. And, and this is what we do for the realm. Um, and so I, I found that to be a very great parallel from the, from the tournament scene to going into the, the birthing scene. But, uh, it, it kind of shows what you're going to get from Viserys. He's all, a lot of times he's putting that cart before the horse. He's celebrating this, you know, the, the birth of his, of his heir before it's ever actually been born. It, it, it was it was it was way better than the the original Game of Thrones tourney scene. Obviously, we didn't get a horse chopped in half, so that was that was a little frustrating. But uh, but we did get to see some dead Starks, uh, you know, once the uh, <laughs> once the killing started happen. But uh, but it was a really good parallel for me when they come and get the king. Um, and again, going back to what Bobby's saying, the Illuminati maesters, if you'll notice the maester didn't tell the king first. He told Otto Hightower first, who then told the king uh, about yeah. his wife being in distress uh, of, of being birthed. So when he left, you know, that's when Rainey's Targaryen said, and the day gets grows bloody. Uh, you know, the yeah. king kind of goes away and then disarray happens within yeah. the, within and, the, within and, the and it's funny you say that because one thing I really liked, you know, it's little details is I, the first episode I watched with my wife and my in-laws and mother-in-law was like, why is no one stopping this? I'm like, well, only the king can tell them to stop doing this. And the king is gone. And if you think back to Game of Thrones, it was Robert Baratheon who said in the name of the king, stop this madness. And they all, okay, we're done. So yeah. without a doubt, I mean, they were like, okay, Hey, cats away. The mice will play. <laughs> And, well, it, and and I thought that that was a cool scene. And Rainy Targaryen answered their question. I mean, uh, a realm with unprecedented peace, and you got guys yeah. like that. Killing is what they do for fun. I mean, that's what they that's what they, yeah. they they've trained and bred to do, and they don't get to do that. And so you give them this open opportunity to go out there, and like you said, there ain't nobody there to to tell them, hey, stop this. If their lord doesn't tell them, or the king doesn't tell them. What do, what, do, what do all these other, you yeah. know, people here care if they want to bash each other's heads in? Like, go for it, man. You know, that's on you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did y'all think about Damon calling out Otto's son? Zach, you got I mean, it's clear there's no love lost between yeah. Damon and Otto. I mean, if anything, I think it's very clear that they're trying to paint Otto as kind of the little finger of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously in a much higher position of power than Littlefinger ever was, but with the way that he kind of, you know, starts making subtle little hints and is trying to manipulate Viserys into doing not necessarily what's best for the realm, but what's best for him and his family and his station, whether it's, you know, 
trying to subtly pull Damon from everything or giving him the Kingsguard. It's always Otto who does this under the guise of protecting Viserys. And I think yeah, Viserys is such a fascinating character to me because this is a guy who's just trying to make the best decision with what he's given here. I think it's so interesting to have the full weight of the Targaryen dynasty on this guy who can't handle it. For so long, we're told that the Targaryens are rash and wrathful <laughs> and prone to outbursts of violence. And you don't see that with Viserys. You see well, it with Rhaenyra. You see it with Daemon. But with Viserys, you see a guy who's saying- See it with Rhaenys. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point because, I mean, I, a lot of people immediately, they, they jump to, oh, uh, you know, Viserys is weak. I don't think so. I think Viserys, you know- he is being put in a situation where he was chosen by the lords. He was not a, you know, he was not named heir. Um, so his entire life, his uh, legitimacy will be questioned. He um, is reigning over during peacetime. And for a lot of these things, you know, being, being a king during wartime in this time is probably a little it's bit easier, easier because it's, yeah. we're at war. We do war. But during peacetime, it's like, okay, I got to deal with my master of coin. I got to deal with, I got to, I got to be a politician now and not a general and um, see, well, while I, also I, keeping your cool and not becoming a mad rash Targaryen. I think, I think that that's, I think the Viserys, well, you, you brought up a great point. Like his, his leadership style is suited for a much later time in history, you know, where you're taking your advice of all the people and where they've had a King that has ruled and has, and has taken over. And he gives, he gives everybody so much latitude, which is great, you know, getting all your small council's opinions, but never, he can be easily swayed from one side to the other. It's very hard for him to make it. Brandon. I even argued that he's not supposed to be a leader. This is okay. a person who doesn't know what he wants until it's right in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he knows that he wants his male heir and he takes extreme dramatic actions as we learn in this upcoming scene in order to try and ensure that. And the gods laugh him and you continually <laughs> see fair. him say, you know, okay, I want to make my daughter happy. I want this. So this is a guy who does not know what he wants and is thus easily swayed by the people yeah. that he trusts around him. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to circle back around to Viserys's mindset a lot throughout, you know, this episode, because there are a lot of things that change with him and that we find out as the show goes on. And I don't want to be, you know, jumping back and forth, back and forth. Um, but as you said, you know, this next scene, um, the, the birthing scene uh, of, of you know, uh, of Prince, uh, is it Balon or Baylor? Ba- I think uh, Bail- Balon. Um, Balon. Balon. Um, yeah. You know, we, that, what in, what a tough scene to watch. Um, and, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the books, you know, George R. R. Martin, all we are told is that she, that uh, Emma dies in childbirth. We don't with this. Is, and now I see all this as canon because George R. R. Martin is in giving his. Yeah, input. He's been so as there. Far as I'm concerned, that... in my opinion. Yeah, he if, if he is given his input, this is this is legit. Um, it, it really does paint Viserys as a different person who does have at times that Targaryen blood in him of, you know, making a rash decision, you know, putting, you know, he will putting getting that son and you know you know these these dragon dreams or whatever they, they call them the, the target the the mad dreams uh you know it he 
was so focused on that and making that dream and prophecy come true that, you know, and he, you know, kind of screwed everything up. Well, what is the consistent thing that he always says throughout the first episodes that we've seen? Not even I am above duty. Not even I are above, you know, things that I have to do. So he sees it as his duty to produce a male heir. And the fact that Emma tells him, I can't get pregnant again. I won't get pregnant again. It makes you think that, okay, in this case, if this is my last shot, I'm willing to sacrifice my wife. Yeah. When, when, if, when we go back to the scene where she said that to him, to me, that was a Chekhov gun. That when she said that, I was like, oh, she died. Oh, she's dying. Yeah, she's like, gone. she's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. if this baby doesn't survive, he's definitely going to get rid of her. Like, and without a doubt. Um, and, you know, yeah. And but that's just kind of how things were. And, you know, it was a tough scene to watch. Um, you know, we see when they say, oh, it's a baby boy. And then you kind of hear the coughing and then you kind of just hear a very lack of crying. You're like, oh, shit. Um, and that kind of takes us into the you know pirate scene. Unless you guys have anything to add into the no, uh, the I'm, I, well, I feel like it's pre- well, I feel like I've, uh, it's important to bring up the, the them bringing sort of also bringing Dorn into the fold a little bit with Kristen Cole um, yeah. and him and his fight with um, with uh, Damon and showing that he's he's a skilled uh, skill uh, skilled in battle, and so they did keep him as a, a steward of the the Dondarian house. But so he wasn't in the in the in the books. He's not Dornish, but they made him a Dornish character. So you can kind of bring in the what they bring to the the fold. And obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, Sir Kristen Cole uh, coming up here, here in a little bit. But I feel like it's important to bring that up that, uh, you know, Damon Targaryen was widely regarded as one of the best knights in the realm and he got beat by this lowly nobody house uh in a major tournament and literally yeah. could have been killed if he wouldn't have you know yielded um uh, so kind of ending both on on those on defeat essentially defeat for both of these targaryen but brothers yeah, but yeah. Um, once again the imagery of house targaryen falls yeah. um so now i do want to little bit of a conspiracy theory um i could this could be way out of uh whack but you, you know hey it's it's game it's, that's what we're here for uh, though it's, right it's, it's, yeah <laughs> um so we see during the birthing scene that the macers bring up this experimental new thing we see that they told otto first we see it's a maester who holds the uh Balon first what is there an option is there a possibility that the maesters have this all planned to Get rid of Emma, get rid of Balon, make it the king's decision so that he holds this guilt so that Otto can then send uh, uh, Allison and they have a higher. And then knowing that Allison can kind of, you know, kind of pull the, the king's strings and nah, possibly that's, put, that's, um, a, that's a, not in their high tower child on the throne eventually. No, that's not in there. It, it couldn't wouldn't surprise me. I don't feel like at this point, at that point, it's in Otto Hightower's best interest. His best interest probably in my mind is for him to get a male heir. Uh, uh, but I mean, I, so I don't think it's as deep as. As him, you know, yeah. organizing yeah, I mean, that, the, the death. That is bed. a yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, the organization of the death. That is a huge conspiracy. I think what isn't a conspiracy, though, and what is very likely is that. Otto is oppor- opportunistic. If it happens, what's yeah. happening if he's in that like, room? If it happens, he, yeah. Now, the moment he sees Emma's gone, the, his his gears are working. 
and he is immediately going to Allison, and it just so happened to probably works better for Otto that Balon doesn't survive. Right. Well, if he's he is one of the only ones, him and I think Lord Corliss are the only two who are truly playing the Game of Thrones right now. Yes. You know, Damon's so concerned with his issues. Viserys is just trying to make it from day to day, where these two are the only ones that you see politicking and scheming and everything yeah. in there. So and, Damon doesn't have does a possibility. Yeah. Damon doesn't. And my care, thing on Otto is that uh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, you're it's, I mean, I was just agreeing with Zach there. Damon doesn't seem to actually care about being the hand of the king other than the fact that it's the number two position. It doesn't seem to care to be the hand and do all the, you know, the 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 yeah. king shits and the hand wipe. He doesn't seem like the guy that wants to wipe, you know, like. No. So uh, to Damon, so, he either wants it all or nothing. He he's either wants to be the, he wants to sit on the throne or he doesn't want to be anywhere near the throne. Um. One thing about Otto, though, is that I do get the feeling that some of his choices, and we see this a little bit later on as well, is that his choices don't seem so primarily be about what's best for Otto, but sometimes they seem like what's worse for Damon. Like, let's just get Damon out of the picture, because truly, I think Damon's the only one that sees Otto. I mean, let's be honest, Damon's the only one that sees Otto for what he is, which but, is a politician playing, well, you know, playing his older, playing his brother for a fool. So, well, see, but that that plays in right into it, though. What's worse for Damon yeah. is best for Otto, though. You know, if you can get the king yeah. to send him away uh, and get him out of from under, uh, you, you know, his ear and have the, you know, ha- he knows that he's got a relationship with Rhaenyra, which Viserys loves dearly. So, you know, that there's that always that possibility that. Damon goes about things incorrectly and does things in a more Targaryen way that we're yeah. used to. And Viserys doesn't, you know, Otto is putting these little thoughts in his head that's like turning him against all the little things that Damon is actually doing. What I think, I don't necessarily think Damon at this point in time wants to be on the throne as much as he just wants to be valued in his brother's eyes. And he doesn't see yeah. why a guy he like Otto Hightower. Otto Hightower is here. I don't even think if Balon Balon died, didn't die, and he wasn't the heir, I don't think that he would even be upset. Oh I, yeah, I think, I think at that, that point, yeah, I think he was yeah. truly somber at that at, at the the brothel scene, and you know what we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. Yeah, I don't even think he said what what they they said he said. In my personal opinion. Because we never see Matt Smith or Damon Targaryen. Yeah, and that actually that that we're we're getting to that in a second. But um, real quickly, the funeral pyre scene of Emma and Balon. Um, you know, we see, uh, and it's something just as small as that. And I really like this in the writing that you even see when you know when when uh, when it says Jakaris that she says it much different. It's it's much cleaner. You know, she, you know, much it rolled, you know, the later, Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was a beautiful scene with the dragon and just everything. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so the, probably the biggest, one of the biggest scenes of episode one was, um, the air for a day scene. Well, well hold on. I still want to go on the funeral power scene. I think we're going, we go for it. I think it kind of goes, goes back to Damon being actually caring when he's the one that kind of yeah. steps up and talks to Rhaenyra and tells her, Hey, you're yes. bro- my brother needs you right now. And so that is why yeah. I feel like that scene right there showed me how he actually felt when he got her to, yeah. to, you know, Hey, you have to do this. Your dad's not going to be able to do it. Like you've got to step up to the plate yeah. uh, and, and do this. So I think that's very important 
pre-scene to this next scene that we get. Yeah. Um, which is the air for a day scene. And um, I understand that you don't think he said it. I, I, I don't know. I think that one thing we have to look at is that the source that, that this was written off was told from the point of view of a maester and a jester. And that even the book itself was a lot of hearsay and what ifs and maybes like we, I, the whole point is we're not supposed to know if he really said it, but because that's the, what the game of Thrones is, you know, a little bit of hearsay, a little bit of rumor. Um, he didn't, explicitly say he didn't say it when 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 questioned about it he says we all grieve in our grieve in our own way um so it's kind of i mean in my opinion i would think that he would say i didn't say that but i, I don't know um brain obviously you think he didn't say it zach what do you think what are your thoughts i don't think it much matters if he said it or not sure. honestly I, Agreed. yeah Agreed. i think that's i think yeah i i agree i think mm. that it doesn't matter because what if, even if he says he well, didn't say it it, it shows uh, at the end of the day that whether he said it or not, the fact that Otto has Viserys's ear so well that Viserys would immediately think he did says yeah. everything there needs that to be said is about why, the relationship. That is yeah. why I think that he didn't say it, and I think that he didn't even fight it because once he heard, you know, yeah. once he heard that he knew, he knew who told. It was, you know, it's yeah. one of those things. You don't got to tell me who yeah. told you. I know who told you, uh, and so the. They make it, you know, they make it out to be a celebration, but we know that that Damon Targaryen's not there having a good time, hooting and hollering on top of tables and stuff. He's the command Lord Commander of the Gold Cloaks and has a certain reputation yeah. that he has to uphold. And so his men aren't they don't they don't have any real loyalty to who the heir is or who the they have loyalty to Damon Targaryen, so they're gonna celebrate because yeah. that that hold that solidifies their position in life uh so i mean i think that he there was that certain expectation from him to be that cold callous targaryen that you know oh just another death but i think it was i think it did affect him i think he was upset because we do see that relationship that he has with his family through rhaenyra and and through caring about yeah. the series uh so i i don't think he said it but again zach made the the greatest point in all of game of thrones it's not about what you say. It's about what people think you say. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Especially the king. So, yeah, uh, 100%. But um, he is not, he, he was not happy to be sent back to the veil. He is not a fan of the people in the veil. He prefers goats to veil. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. And it turns out he, and we find out later, he did not go back to the veil. He did um, not. He does, you know, he did not. He does call this. It was weak to his face. Um, you know, I think this was a very important scene just for the future of this relationship between these brothers. Um, well, and how but then uh, how, after that we get. Oh, no, I was just going to say how Viserys tried to tried to portray himself. He tried to portray himself as the one with strength and the one, the stronger of the two, because he's the king. Yeah. Holding but the sword. Yeah. Holding, holding Blackfire. Yeah. Damon's got dark sister, but we got Blackfire, the true uh, Valerian sword of house Targaryen. Yeah. And he's you know, trying to, it, you know, he, he's trying to put this image of Aegon, the conqueror sitting on the throne. And yeah, so, and, it, and I think that at the end of the day, like he, he, I don't think he, I don't think he looked like a pretender. I think that, when it times when the when the time comes, Viserys was able to step up, be the king. Maybe it was misguided because you know he had someone in his ear, but 
you know, he stepped up to show strength when he did. And that's why I don't like this image that oh, Viserys is a weak king. I think that, he, you know, he is a king. Here is the argument I'll make to that is there is one of the best speeches in Breaking Bad is when Mike is talking to Walter White and he's talking about half measures and how I chose a half measure when I should have gone the wrong, the full way. Viserys is the king of half measures. He doesn't yeah. go the full way with anything. If he knew his wife wasn't going to bear him a son and he wanted to actually have the bloodline, he'd take a second wife. You know, that's tradition. Yeah. It's Targaryen yeah. system. It's the whole thing that Damon does. If he truly thought that Damon was betraying him, he would have executed him. This is a king who does not lead the whole way. He has that human element, which is which makes him a fascinating character, mm-hmm. but yeah. he won't go the whole way for the realm. He talk right. He talks about he, he's the, he 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 talks about his duty and what is necessary for him to do to strengthen the Targaryens and his line. Exactly as he said, it would have not been crazy or unheard of for him to take a second wife. He would have had to fight with some maesters over it a little bit. But guess what? You got a bunch of dragons, and generally you win that fight. You know, so uh, yeah. that's if he wanted to have a have a heart to heart and talk to Damon like he did, then he should have called him into the small council chamber and had a heart to heart. He's not scared that Damon's going to kill him or anything, you know, to bring him in and have that huge show in the throne room in front of your, you know, your, uh, your King's guard and your hand. I don't, it's just, it was just, if you're not actually going to do something, yeah, yeah. you're not going to do something about And So yeah, staging, he's, he's, portraying, um, he, he's attempting to, pres- he wants to portray like, strength. Like why are you hold why are you holding up Blackfire like this, man? Like we're brothers. Like we could have we could have had a, had this same because Damon didn't say anything that he wouldn't have said, you know, behind closed doors. So that 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 was it's exactly it's all the show, it's all the act of what being a king, what he thinks being a king should be instead of just being the leader and just having that kind of guide his his kingship. Yeah, um, and then you, you know, and I think this next scene. It, we see a lot of what makes Viserys Viserys because um, obviously going into what I call the terrible winter scene when they are down in the crypts um, in front of the uh, 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 skull of uh, Bayon, uh, he, he calls uh, Rhaenyra's down and, you know, they talks about how, you know, he's going to make her the heir and he goes into the song of ice and fire, how this here is a premonition that has been passed down um from targaryen kings and so that really tells me like he's not just a targaryen he's not just a targaryen he is he has on his mind at all times and we see it when we see the king's dagger in almost every scene that he's in sticking out um it is on his mind this premonition of of the of the terrible winter that is to come that and he says a targaryen must sit on the throne to protect the world so he's constantly worrying about this and we see in later episodes where he talks about how you know he has these dreams and that it weighs heavy on him and he wants to make he you know rather than you know and he has the mindset of rather than letting destiny make these dreams come true he has to fight for it. he has to make them come true which a lot of times ends up screwing him over well it's it's something that we definitely see that it is we finally get the confirmation that this is something that is passed down from Targaryen to Targaryen. I mean we know that they know about something at this point. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, King yeah. Jaehaerys and Queen Alysanne are responsible for building most of the wall um uh, in the north. 
So, I mean, th- this is obviously something that they, they had a thought process about. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see that, but I feel like that's, it's so great to see that dagger kind of come back into play in the first episode of, of the house of dragon when it played such a crucial role uh, in the first episode of game of Thrones. So, to see that and to see him talking yeah. to Rhaenyra, I think he truly does believe that she'll be a, a good heir and a good queen. Uh, it's kind of interesting yeah. to see what we see after the fact of this, but uh, you get everybody, you get to see that dope, uh, that dope Baylorian school skull, the black dread. Uh, you know, that's, that's sitting there yeah. having that story right there is, is pretty, pretty neat for the end scene. And getting to see all of these lords and uh, some people that, you know, some names that we all recognize and, you know, get to see uh, the Starks, you know, pledge their loyalty to, uh, you know, to Rhaenyra as the heir of of the throne. So I really liked that last scene. I think it was a really good way to kind of wrap up episode one, kind of get get us that first part of the the story kind of told. Zach, anything specific that, you know, you were liking about that scene? I mean, obviously it was catnip for, you know, Game of Thrones fans to kind of hear about some things that they saw on the show and are looking forward to and kind of gave the Targaryen almost that kind of secret society kind of thing that people are into. So, no, I thought it was well done. And yeah, I I thought it was a good way to end the show to give people something to get excited for that they recognize. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that about wraps up uh, episode one, and we're gonna quickly move in, you know, uh, to episode two, the Rogue Prince. Um, this story is taking place six months after um, the events of episode one. We do a small time jump. Um, we finally get to see the intro to the show. So 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 good. They use the same Game of Thrones music. Um, the intro is a bunch of like. Uh, clockwork gears of different Targaryen uh, house sigils with you know the blood coming in and anytime a ruler dies it gets filled with blood and goes to the next one creating like a family tree um, and then it all at the end it all comes back to just the the, the, the full Targaryen symbol um, what an, I mean what are your guys thoughts on, on this show intro yeah I mean just the music alone like I mean, I you think know, it was you, the only way you could do it yeah you yeah. had to do it the music, yeah, right. you mm-hmm. just get that feel. You just got that feel like you're, you know, yeah. I know a few of us a few years ago swore it off forever, but, you know, it was hard when it, you know, gets inside and takes over a little bit. And I mean, it, it really felt like okay, yeah. Game of Thrones. This is this is it. I'm going to be glued to my couch for the next eight years uh, and then be inevitably pissed off. Uh, you know, like season eight, I'm going to be I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm never watching another. And then, you know, they're going to do. They're going to do, you know, Robert's Rebellion or the Blackfire Rebellion. And then I'm going to creep back in and watch another one. But I'm yeah, I was yeah. super excited to, to hear that. See, you know, I, I like how they kind of stuck with the same sort of theme, uh, but had it a little different. That was super awesome. 100 percent. Um, Zach, what, are you, what were your thoughts on it? Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, you know, it's always great to hear that music again. And they did kind of the, you know, dark blood version of it. So, no, I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we go right into the uh, the stepstones of the battles that are happening there. And we see that it's from Cor- Corliss's view um, as he is talking about how um, the crab feeder is just wreaking havoc there. And, from the you know, 
the they're calling it the triarchy or something like that from the from the free cities and immediately we get um i think his name is beesbury the master of uh, of coin talking about oh uh you know westeros no westeros king has ever gone to uh, open war with the free cities well i think this dude's got a little bit of a ulterior motive because you know he's he's working with the with the iron bank over in the free city so obviously master he's, of coin, i mean dude. no he doesn't want war to happen yeah he's the master of coin he doesn't want war with the with the free cities oh, yeah. um you know, and Coilus is really showing that, like, in every time, like, he speaks up, like, he is just, yeah, he has a spot at that table, but his family weren't, they weren't dragon lords. So they'll always be second fiddle to the Targaryens, and they'll always be seen as second fiddle from the Targaryens. I see it more at that small council meeting as just, like, six months later, but nothing has changed. Rhaenyra is still, she's the heir, but she's still the cupbearer. She still doesn't really have a, yeah. have a seat or a voice. Uh, Lord Corliss uh, is getting ignored uh, or and better yet. I don't think he doesn't get ignored his whatever he has to say just gets turned away from by Otto. That's more of what I'm seeing it at. If, if it was just Lord Corliss and Viserys, I'm sure he could make his point and say, you know, this is why we need to do this. But again, we go back to that. The series isn't always making all the decisions. Otto is there to kind of steer and guide. And then you get Rhaenyra kind of jumping in to the into the fold saying, hey, just send some dragon riders. We can go over there and we can clear some stuff up really quickly. Uh, but I mean, it's it's important to Corliss, we, as we know, because that is, I mean, shipping and and boat and, and yeah. being the master ship that's his thing and so if this is you know the shipping lanes get shut down that's something that's going to severely impact his house as one of the yeah. stronger houses yeah. in the in the land exactly. and one thing i do really i thought was really funny uh just to chime in about Corliss was that anytime there was any talk about any form of succession or anything like that he would uh not drink and so i think it was even in episode one even in little this that like He's like, no, I don't want to drink. And then he goes over to pour himself a drink. And then immediately they start talking about it. And he just slams it. He just puts it down. It's like, well, I guess I'm not drinking because he wants to stay sober to look for any weaknesses to try and get his family back uh, to power. Uh, and I thought that was just some good writing there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Zach, go ahead. No, the opportunist in Lord Corliss is something that you just continually see, but you can tell he just doesn't have quite the same stuff that like an auto has. And it's yeah. very clear in the scene later in this episode where they are talking about the proposed marriage between Viserys and Lena. You know, Viserys is clearly very, very taken aback with the idea of marrying a twelve year old. Yeah. And Lord yeah, Corliss, Corliss yeah, yeah, no problem. Corliss isn't much for uh, Corliss is not much for su- subtlety. None. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Viserys, I'd like you to bang my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And you can. Uh, and, and so that kind of brings up. Uh, I, mean, I guess we're going to talk about that a little bit. Right. When they when they talk at some point. Yeah. Um, OK. Um, but, but yeah, we'll talk uh, yeah, about so that. Going, got... Yeah. Uh, Zach, did you have more you wanted to say? I'm sorry. OK. No, go right ahead. Um, yeah, the uh, the Kingsguard selection. I thought this this was another you know, pr- pretty cool scene. We see a lot of these noble houses. We see, you know, this. Uh, it, it's a very uh, ritualistic thing with this, these chess pieces, and you know, and we see uh, Reyna up in the ramparts just watching. Whenever we see Rhaenerys doing anything, we always usually see Reyna somewhere creeping, watching um, to see how the the you know the the air is you know acting. Um, but then we see Sir Kristen Cole again, the only one there with some real battle experience. And 
Rhaenyra's has made it very clear, you know, that either though you have Otto there saying, well, this is who we should, you know, this is a, you know, it's no, it was a, a Malister. Uh, a Malister was oh, one of the options. Oh, I, thought, I, I thought, yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean, Otto yeah, was so, there, but I'm saying yeah, the yeah, first yeah. person they introduced was like a Malister and then, then uh, yeah. I forget the second, uh, maybe a Bracken, something. But but he yeah, mentioned her. Yeah. Oh, they have very, they, they're very important houses to the realm where she's seeing it as this is a real opportunity to do a real leadership move and pick the best guy for yeah. the job. You know, it's, it's not yeah. often she was going to get to do that opportunity, but she saw it as. The Kingsguard is not a political position. I mean, it has been all throughout history and probably, you know, as we see, continues to be. Uh, but yeah. it shouldn't be. It should be this guy can is one of the best seven knights in the whole land. And so he should protect me. And as we've yeah. seen from Kristen Cole, not only did she get to see him in person at the tourney, but like you said, he actually has had combat experience with that, with real not blunted swords and, you know, um, people there to kind of pull you off each other, you know, full blown battles in the Dornis marches, which is, which was a very tough battlefield. I mean, we see as late as you see later on when they try to conquer Dorn, uh, that that's not yeah. a, not an easy, easy, easy place to fight. So coming in and kind of yeah. making, you know, you kind of get to see that while she doesn't have the influence, she is still the heir and still the princess because she looks at Otto and is like, we're going with this guy. All right. You know, you explain it to your dad and to my dad, if, if we're not, but I'm picking him. So I think that was super cool to kind of finally see them use this, this picking a King's job, King's guard job to kind of get her out of the, the conversation so they can, you know, have their secret talks and whatnot. And then she kind of, bulls over Otto and gets her way out of it. I think that that's kind of very important and kind of an important setup for for later on of what we're going to see as well. Oh, yeah, I was about to I was about to even say that like this. The one of the reasons I love this scene is, you know, book readers know that and I'm I'm not going to spoil anything for for non book readers. This scene is one of the is one of the most important scenes (laughs) in what the show is going to be about. And so that's why I loved it so much. Um, uh, Zach, do you have any opinion? What were your thoughts on the Kingsguard selection? I thought this really shows that Rhaenyra has the complete opposite temperament of her father. Rhaenyra is more your modern, you know, your full-on Targaryen. She is your prototypical one who the only way is her way, whereas Viserys has no idea what his way is. Rhaenyra is always charging in to make her own decision, and this was very evident in this scene. 100%, yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so... So Chris and Cole's chosen. Uh, and the next thing I want to talk about and feel you all know, always feel free to jump in with me if I miss a scene or anything like that is finally uh, what I what I was having about getting some backstory into the, the, the doom of Valeria as Viserys talks to Allison Hightower. Um, you know, he talks about the blood mages and how, you know, it was the, hu- you know, the hubris uh, of the mages that brought down the doom. And and, and it, I I, I love all I loved all of that because I want I mean, I just eat up that 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 lore from old Valeria. Um, and, you know, he's building a, you know, almost like a, a model of Valeria that was very reminiscent of Game of Thrones intro style. Um, and that, you know, and, and I thought it was really cool. And it's a little nod to the Game of Thrones. Um, and, and we see that, you know, he is becoming very close with Allison Hightower. Well, Viserys is a man who's obsessed with legacy. You see it in everything that he does. 
It's about making sure that I am positioned to have done something in my life that matters or to keep this line going. So the fact that Allison doesn't really have to do much, all she has to do is take interest in his love of history and of legacy. And that's all she wrote. I mean, you know, from that point on, it was very clear what was going to happen in the rest of this episode and the way that he just consistently is all about what is history going to say about me? What is history going to say about my family and my decisions from here? Yeah. So concerned, so concerned with the history, not realizing that his concern with the history is what's going to make him. You know, it's going to tarnish his tarnish his legacy. Yeah, uh, the the Allison Hightower scene. I mean, what what a great job the the actress does. I mean, just the the whole uh, the whole gambit of it. You know, to the picking the picking of her fingers. You know, we saw at the at the tourney scene. We didn't really talk about that, but when she's talking to Viserys. But yeah, man. I mean. I, I, and it doesn't seem like this is one of those weird, creepy old man things either. It seems like Allison actually enjoys his company as well, which, I mean, is something that we can understand since we've all talked about the series being a really good guy and obviously has has power, but not he's not cruel. He's not mean. He's not. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't he, he would never dream of taking advantage of, you know, Allison or or any of these suitors uh, that, that people are bringing forward kind of shows you again goes back to who Viserys actually is and then getting to get that glimpse of the of the old Valyria. I mean, he was the he's the last person on earth to touch something from old Valyria, getting to ride the black dread. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah. so that is that is and he never took another dragon after that. So, I mean, that is very was very awesome to kind of see him bring that back and bring back that like Zach said about the about his legacy and what what he can bring for how he can advance the Targaryen line so i i think that that it was a perfect kind of setup for for what we what we get throughout this episode yeah um and so that takes us to uh Rhaenyra uh Rhaenyra and Alice in front of the statue of the mother uh you know one of the, one of the seven uh and uh not from the boys but from the the gods of the of the land um and we see that you know they they are this whole time Allison's kind of manipulating Rhaenyra you know at this point and it really goes into show that Allison is one of these people playing the game and you know and Rhaenyra at this point doesn't really notice it and you know and we see the consequences of that later um i i thought that was a well done scene i liked the uh the 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 camera work at one point we have a view from the statue of the mother um if you guys have any thoughts to them to them praying yeah yeah uh yeah i I like that scene i don't know i don't know if i found i I felt as much it was manipulation on allison's part as more of it was her almost trying to soften up the blow for her friend you know, like, hey, yeah. I'm gonna, I don't know if you know, but I'm probably going to be banging your dad soon. So no, <laughs> no, no, no hard feelings yeah. or anything. But that was yeah. more of what I got got from it. And maybe that's the acting. Maybe it, she just made me feel it. But I feel like it was more of just a, hey, see how she's feeling about him having a new wife. And then kind of kind of pushing that narrative to her that, hey, you, you know, he's got to get a new wife. And so. Almost like a yeah. well, why not your best friend instead of yeah. some random and, lady? And to be fair, th- this this dynamic was added for drama for HBO because in the books 
Allison's much older than Rhaenyra. They aren't friends. They they are they are acquaintances in court in the court. Uh, so this whole dynamic of them is not a thing in the books. But right. I like it. It adds drama. It adds you know something going on. Um, and you know, uh, well, but it goes uh, Zach, back do you have any, to uh, opinions. No, nah, keep on rolling. I think you guys covered it absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we next see Corliss and Otto attempting the same thing. Very different tactics, and we kind of touched on it. Uh, you know, Otto very kind of passively puts Allison in, in the room. Go, go tell your stories. Wear something that your mother wore. Kind of connect with him on an emotional level. Where Corliss is like, "Hey, dude, uh, you need to remarry, and I've got a girl." Like, just straight up jumping right into it. Um, and I, I think I, I, I think Viserys is a, is a guy that ne- isn't going to respond well to that. Um, and, and, and he needs, you know, being just being told, oh, go marry my 12 year old is not going to work with Viserys. But hey, uh, my 15 year old will come hit on you. We'll work for him. Um, what are your what are y'all's thoughts on, on the way that uh, Corliss and Otto handled these situations? One definitely like handled it. Sh- yeah, go ahead, Zach. You're good. I, again, it just shows, you know, it's like a minor leaguer trying to play with with Wayne Gretzky. You know, Otto yeah. is so much better at this than Corliss is. And there's so much history already with Corliss and his wife, you know, being the queen that never was, which, God, what a great nickname. Um, you know, if nothing <laughs> else, the nicknames in this show between that, you know, the <laughs> prince for a day, I mean, good Lord. But um, you look at, you know, the scene that Corliss has where he does try that brute blunt force honesty Whereas Otto is very much of a, well, this might be happening and let's Viserys come to the conclusion that Otto's already been out. So whereas yeah. Corliss is trying to tell things, Otto is leading Viserys to conclusions that make yeah. it seem like it was his idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, when, when you have a king who's already kind of doubting his own strength a little bit, making him feel like he's the one who made this decision, this very, very, very important situation is the right is if you want to get what you want, that's the way you do it. Well, even even kind of going back to how Otto handles the discussion about Lena Valerian being uh, being a potential suitor for uh, the king and how at first he's kind of like, I don't you know, I don't know. I mean, she'd be a good match, I guess. And the maesters kind of playing off with him. And then at the very end, he's like, well, you know, I, I don't envy you. You know, I, if I, yeah. if it was me, I, I I couldn't imagine somebody telling me I have to replace my wife with somebody random. I don't really like, you know, just like Zach saying, just kind of walking him to where he needs him to be. Yeah. And then, but we can all agree that uh, if 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 it were me, I'd be taking one man's advice in this whole story, and it's Lionel Strong. That man is telling you, <laughs> telling you yeah. what you need to hear, bro. He tells it. Lena Valerian is the smartest match for you. It, 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 it you know, keeps the Valerians as an ally. You don't necessarily lose allies from that choice. Uh, it's the best choice because it's, you know, they're, they're going to keep the bloodline pure and Valerian. It was, uh, it was kind of sad to see him not go with it, with his main man's advice there uh, because it was definitely the best advice he got. Uh, but even after him meeting, Lena, I did want to talk about and see what you guys thought about Rainey's and Rhaenyra's discussion uh, and their their little talk that they had. Uh, 
when she was walking by as, as Lena and, uh, and Viserys are walking in the garden together. So what did you guys think about that? I thought that was a, such a crucial part and scene and uh, very interesting for, to see those two characters interact. I liked it. I, uh, I like, I like how uh, Rainey is playing this character of knowing that she is no longer truly in the game. So she's just kind of vibing, drinking, and just kind of like, let's see what chaos we can kind of do and see if we can help my kids out a little bit. Um, she's always watching. She's always hanging out. She's got no, she's got nothing better to do all day than just stir the pot and watch drama happen. And she and I and I love that. It, I mean, she. I mean, her. I, I love her. I love the way her and Coilus vibe as well. Like they're just constantly, like you know, like even going back to episode where they're just like shit talking people to each other all day. Like I, I love, I love their relationship and I love the vibe they give off. For hockey fans, she is the Arizona Coyotes in March and April. <laughs> They've been out of it for ages, but all of a sudden they're just going to start playing spoiler and winning games yeah. just to mess with those that actually matter. Yeah, that's. I mean, that it was just such an interesting concept, and it's and again, it's one of those things that they kind of changed from the book because it re- realistically, it was never a competition between Rainey's and Viserys. Uh, to be king, it was actually her her firstborn son, Lenor, was actually the one that was in contention. Uh, and so it's interesting to see what what this actress has done with this character. I mean, I really felt like you really felt like, hey, look, it, it was in a weird kind of way. But she really you really felt like she was trying to impart some advice. Probably went about yeah. it the wrong way. Uh, you know, passive aggressive way. Passive aggressive is never the way to get your point across if you actually wanted to get across. But uh, <laughs> uh, that's the that's the route she took, and you know, probably yeah. more just wanted to say a few things. But I felt like it was something that needs to and will stick in Rainier's head. You know, it's got to because that conversation she'll she'll come back to that conversation over the years and over the timeline that we'll see, I'm sure a hundred times, even if we don't actually see it on screen, um, a very important part for her to kind of know, uh, I don't want to say know her place, but you know, Rainey's is warning her. Hey, it's at one point, somebody's going to tell you, you know, you need to know your place and you know, you just need to be prepared for it. So I think that's kind of yeah. important for where we're going with yeah. this as well. 100%. And so we're, we're getting close to the end. Um, probably the, Biggest scene so far in the series um, starts with finding out that Damon, either himself, you know, knowing he knows all the secret passages, or maybe he sent some people to steal Dreamfire's egg, um, which is a it was the egg that was in Balon's crib. Uh, also, uh, during uh, uh, the Blackfire Rebellion, uh, Dreamfire her, uh, herself was used as a pawn for a lot of different you know, uh, kings and would-be kings, they used Dreamfire. You know, Dreamfire herself was stolen, so that's it, it kind of calls back to that. Um, but this leads to once we, once Rhaenyra, uh, Rhaenyra and, uh, and Viserys finds out which egg was stolen, you see that, that flip switches, because now we're talking about blood and family um, and an insult. And, you know, we immediately see then the steps, we, we go to Dragonstone, just a absolutely beautiful set piece by the way uh coming in there you know you, you've got the the ship coming in with the dragon head and the claws coming out see uh it is you know we see the long stairs um it is an absolutely amazing scene we see the room where we've seen Tyrion talk with people at dragonstone so much i there were the map was not there either the map 
the map, uh, the map, the painted map of Westos would have been there by now, but so obviously it's just in a different room. Um, but yeah, and then you know we see this confrontation of Otto and some of the Kingsguard, and you know uh, Damon and the City Watch and the Gold Cloaks. I mean, you talking about uh, Sir Crispin? You, you, know, <laughs> you talking about Sir Crispin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, before we get to the mo- the more badass part, uh, what were your guys? thoughts on this whole this whole part well, it was cool to actually see dragonstone in all its glory i mean in game of thrones yeah. it was a shell of what it was it was stannis's you know hall of pain if nothing else it wasn't you know the actual land of the targaryens that we finally get to see so i thought it was really neat to finally get to see that and obviously i mean Rhaenyra comes in and steals the show here in just a few minutes oh so, yeah. yeah 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 um very very yeah very cool and, and you kind of see again coming going back to before them going how Otto always got to have his thumb on things he can't send anybody else to have this conver- confrontation he needs to be the one that that goes and and make sure he sees Damon instead of the king seeing Damon if the king yeah. sees Damon they may work some stuff out you know as brothers tend to do tend to do they forget you know some of the past tra- transgressions and so Otto had to be the one that that showed up there but uh, I mean, you mentioned you don't know if it was Damon. I mean, there, I don't know that there are many other people in the entirety of the of the world that could sneak into the dragon pit and steal uh, an egg. Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking it probably was Damon doing it. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a really cool kind of standoff there that that we that we get. And again, going back to it's not uh, it's not an unkept mess at Dragonstone. It's actually a place of of prominence at this point, you know, I mean, the second yeah. greatest, second greatest seat in the, in the whole land at this point, you could argue. So, yeah. And, and I think this really humanizes, uh, Damon, cause we see right off the bat, he's tossing this egg around. Like he doesn't really care about it. It's more of just, he's making a, uh, he, he's, he's, he wants attention. This is what this, this high, this whole thing was a cry for attention from his brother. Rhaenyra comes in on Cyrax. And also we see, uh, uh, Cyrax has come in. I Correct. mean, the blood worm, Sorry, sorry, and just with that like deviated septum roar, just like the, just this very unique uh, roar from from this dragon, and you know immediately you see all you know because things are getting a little tense, and you immediately the uh, auto is like guys staying down because it's like well things get fucked up. Um, then we see uh, uh, Cyrix come in and immediately kind of sets everyone. It, it almost the fact that there are now two dragons kind of almost calms everything down compared to what is just one dragon um and we see radiators come up be a badass and call damon out for being a little brat um he's she's like he's like she's like so you're expecting a baby he's like well i mean i could one day you know yeah. i don't who knows yeah, that, that wasn't that was very important to kind of kind of highlight that it, this was all for attention because he said he he was getting married and he was having a kid and neither of those things are true. And we even see yeah. that, his, that his consort, Myceria, was not so happy to hear that she is being yeah. u- used as a, a, a pawn in the game of Thrones, uh, if you will. You yeah. know, I mean, because she knows what that means for her. Uh, she said, it's nothing for you. You know, it's nothing for him to come over here and forgive you. But what do you think that they're going to do with that common whore that you married? You know, so yeah, um, it really goes to show you like, some of the the Targaryens aren't always thinking about how what they do affects everybody else because they're the Targaryens, you know, they don't really have to think about that. 
Uh, but I loved that scene and I loved her flying in out of the clouds. Oh, Ooh, that was so yeah. You the, see the, the way the clouds broke like waves. The waves yeah. of clouds are coming and she flies over the top. Yeah, that was that was sick. And it kind of goes to show you again, and again, no 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 spoilers, but their connection is very deep. You know, they have a they yeah. have a very they have a have a have a love for one another. And it was the second best thing for Damon to Viserys showing up. Uh, I think, you know, I was literally yeah. the only thing I think was going to calm him down was one of those two showing up on Dragon Bat to show, hey, what's up, man? You know, not Otto Hightower, like the 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 insult it was to send of all people, uh, you know, Otto Hightower to come and take back yeah. that egg. I mean, it goes to show you how Viserys doesn't have his finger, you know, have his finger on the pulse a lot of times and yeah. not understanding 100%. that that political choice of who you send to go back and get that drag bag. Yeah. Uh, Zach, any thoughts? No, I think we all covered yeah. it pretty, pretty yeah. thoroughly there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So we pretty much towards the end of this episode, we uh, see that Viserys announces his plan to marry. Uh, you kind of see the reactions in this, in this scene are amazing. The, the actors, and the actors did an amazing job. Uh, you see, you know, immediately Corliss kind of like is having this look like, ha ha, I've done it. Then immediately, you know, he kind of looks at uh, 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 Allison, you know, Rainier looks at Allison and she's like, what the fuck have you done? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it's just kind of at a standstill. I almost expected after the scene, like I like I, I felt like Curb Your Enthusiasm should have come on with the way those reactions were. <laughs> um, the, king, the king marries. It's like always sunny. The king marries a high tower. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we immediately cut over to Corliss and Damon having a meeting. Um, talking about how we are the second sons of, of, of and you know, Corliss. And this time, it it's almost like Corliss learned from his failure with his getting and he's playing it a little bit more tactfully you know not you know kind of you know with the because the fact is Corliss doesn't have an old brother he's talking about how his house valerion has been second fiddle to the targaryens and dragon lords for history and so yeah we you know damon is the second son they are the second family um and they can relate on that um and i, I think that was a very good scene to set the kind of set the series for what's kind of going to be happening which is now there is a split in the house of the dragon and we are starting but it still shows that corliss isn't quite there yet yeah because he's playing he's playing viserys's song for damon right. is the right. problem yeah and you can tell damon's not really buying it because yeah. you know he's like 100%, you know, yeah. i'm the one who gets to say this about my brother yeah, exactly yeah. Gonna, he like, did the classic thing of mm-hmm. i can talk shit about my family yeah. you don't get to mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it was it, it was still missing the mark he tried to go a little more subtly but it was just still not there uh it, it's exactly it's exactly as we see from Otto hightower Otto hightower has never like outright expressed what he thinks the king should do in his mind. He just sets it sets it here on a plate and says, "Oh man, this you know yeah. that you need to you need to eat this." So yeah, so Corliss, I mean, is still going to like, well, you can show up Viserys, and and it's just more of a misunderstanding of the whole entirety of the game. Uh, that, yeah, uh, that he is a warrior. He's a he's a a, a man yeah. that that says what he feels, and you know he hopes that other men will just accept what he feels. You know, it, it's not like yeah. that. It reminds me a lot. Corliss reminds me a lot of Ned Stark. Because let's be honest, we all love Ned Stark. Ned Stark absolutely sucked at the Game of Thrones. 
Like he was not up, good. What he, like who, who thought who, who thought just going up to Cersei and be like, I know that you I know that you had a kid with your brother in the garden was going to be a good idea <laughs> like, while, while having the legal while having the legal authority signed in your hand that you're the lord protector of the realm like you don't even need to talk to anybody else it's like call your homies in Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and, and i like that i like that this show just as game of thrones did doesn't paint everyone good or bad it is a mix of uh, yeah. of moral ambiguity in they are they are mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not easy to just be like, oh, I like this person because they're on this side, you know, or, you know, and it's even harder now because like in Game of Thrones, it was, oh, I like this person because I'm a I like this house where now yeah. it's the Targaryens. And it's a little bit like and, you know, the one thing I did notice I liked is that they made it very clear these first two episodes. This is not Game of Thrones. The Starks are not the main characters. We saw <laughs> yeah. a lot of scenes where Starks getting killed. We saw uh, just a random one off of a Stark bending the knee. Uh, we, you know, they're, they're just, they're just another house at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, is there anything you guys want, uh, want to sign off? Any, any final thoughts? I know we went a little bit longer than we were supposed to, but Hey, we're having fun with the week. Honestly, like we said before in the before show, we could probably talk Targaryens for three hours. Telling, yeah. Easily. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I will say that, um, I'm just more, I'm super excited for all of the different dragons we're going to meet. I hope, I know yes. that there's, I know there's a large portion. We're not going to get to meet all of them. Um, uh, but for, from the dance, I am super excited because they have almost as intriguing of stories as some of the, the actual Targaryen, you know, human characters. Um, so I'm really excited to see if they actually kind of invoke a little bit of that into the into the, the show. You know, as someone who only made it about halfway through Fire and Blood, um, I immediately thought, I oh, maybe I should pick that up that back up again, mm-hmm. which is the best kind of you Me know too. endorsement I can give the show. So I think it's great. Yeah. Um, additionally, I'll do a bit of shameless self-promotion here. If you're into fantasy, make sure to check out the podcast that I'm on the RPG radio show. We just launched our second season. You can find it on all podcast yeah. services. So, Absolutely. Yeah, there will be a link in the show description down below. So check <laughs> them out. You. Um, shame. We don't have shame, yeah. Zach. You knew that. <laughs> exactly. Right? exactly. No, no shames allowed on this show. Right? Otherwise, we wouldn't have had you back <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. <laughs> but all right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of the home pod office hope to see you again next week uh where we're gonna have we'll, we'll, we don't know who we're gonna have on but we'll be talking episode three uh you know we wanted to kind of play catch up a little bit so we did episode one two next week we'll just be episode three um and then we might eventually play catch up so we're you know on the same timeline but until next time for zach mccann brandon Vaughn, i'm bobby this has been home pod office see you all next time peace <laughs>